Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. To put a positive spin on it, which I love to do in just about any of life's circumstances because God is a positive God. He only does good things. Um, some of the most powerful leaders in the Bible led with a limp. So I claim that. I love our pastor, Vic. Man, I love that guy. You know, and to see him up there baptizing people and speaking. Yeah, let's go ahead. Come. Come. He's such an encouragement to me. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You know, listening to these brothers share and our sister share, Amy share this morning, I brought this to mind, and I want to read it. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. Some of you are familiar with it. It says, "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me?' "'A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two. Two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow, then wiping off the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosening string, loosened strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased. And the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice. And going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with a life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once and going twice, and he's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. You know, that spoke to me when I was a young believer of how God just touching me, just a touch by him, made such a difference in my life. Uh, for the benefit of, of those brothers here, sometimes there's difficulty in sharing testimony. I've been in jail. I've been arrested. I've been in drugs. I've been addicted. I've had issues in life. I want to tell you something about my life. 
The first phone call I made was to my parents when I got saved. Gave my life to Jesus. My wife and I walked into this church. We were invited, and we thought, yeah, that'll never happen. But the person that invited us showed up at our cabin on that night and said, oh, I told you I was taking you to church. We ended up in their car. We ended up in this church, ended up getting saved. That night, I called my parents, forgetting that there was three hours difference. I told my mother, I got saved tonight, Mom. I wanted you to know I gave my life to Jesus. And her first response was this, Mark, are you in jail again? I believe in uh, the witnesses that God displays. He displays witnesses. Uh, and I believe we've been witnessing something here in the valley for some time. And uh, seeing the culmination of this in this video this morning and knowing what took place this weekend, also in Anchorage, but, but here. Um, Anchorage has long been what I consider the spiritual um, point of Alaska. Huge revivals throughout the years within Anchorage, uh, wonderful outpouring of the Spirit in different churches. But I've been watching a change for the last couple of years, and I believe that God has begun to make a change where I believe the Manuska Valley has become the spiritual center, and he's gathering people to that spiritual center for a specific purpose. Uh, he's gathering people to that, that center. He's gathering people to this valley that have powerful anointings and years of experience to produce the discipling of generations, and uh, I'm real excited to see that. There's been a lot of prayer going into that over the years, a lot of men and women who have committed their time and energies to the valley, and um, seeing that begin to take place, I believe we're going to see an apostolic and prophetic center here uh, for the purpose of equipping the church. Uh, not only in the state of Alaska, but it will go out worldwide. I believe we are, uh, as a church family here, positioned to do so by the fact that we have um, embraced or been birthed into, might be a better word, uh, the Slavic culture. And uh, God has brought us uh, a pastor and his wife who... Uh, has that DNA to begin to transcend just the local church vision into a worldwide vision that the gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. I wonder if someone could get me a bottle of water, please. I want to begin this morning um, in the book of Luke, chapter 9. I, I love 
chapter 9 of the book of Luke. It's got so much packed into it. Oh, you can just hand it to me. I'm good. Or you can stand and hold the bottle for me. <laughs> Thank you. But I want to look specifically rather than read the entire chapter, which I think is a fantastic chapter. There's so much packed into it. Uh, chapter 9, verse 55, we'll start there. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version, the 2006 or 2009 version. In 2019 or 20, they changed it and omitted some of this scripture. And several of the translations omitted this aspect of the scripture. I haven't studied that out as to why, and I'm not going to. I don't have the time or the energy. I like it the way it's stated here, and I'm just going to stick with that. In verse 55, Jesus is speaking to them. Well, let's go back to verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of them. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Now, put that in perspective. They did not receive him. And it goes on to explain a background that they were not aware of. You see, sometimes things happen and you're not aware of the background as to why they're happening. They entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. So in other words, God had this plan. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they didn't see the plan. They saw that the Samaritans rejected them, rejected Jesus. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? I love these two guys. They're ready. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And then they went on to another village. Oh, I guess I have the newer translation here. Um, it says that he turned and rebuked them, and he says, you know not what spirit, what kind of spirit you are of. Now, picture Jesus in this. Jesus doesn't address them from a natural standpoint. He addresses them in the spiritual realm. The natural standpoint was hey, you guys got a really rotten attitude. You know, knock it off, get your attitude right, all right? Jesus didn't do that. He said, you don't know what spirit's in operation here. 
You see, they actually had a, a thing against the Samaritans. They thought the Samaritans should just be done away with. That was really what was at work in the Jewish mentality of the time. They weren't Jews. They were Samaritans. And they wanted to call down uh, fire from heaven and consume them. And Jesus said, you do not know what spirit, what kind of spirit you're of. See, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Jesus is showing us that the Holy Spirit was poured out in the miraculous outpouring of mercy and kindness and the goodness of God. And he's saying this spirit is one of judgment. This spirit is one of vendetta and revenge. This spirit is of the natural, not of the supernatural. I believe we're moving into a time where we as Christians need to be looking at what spirit is operating behind what's going on. We have to be aware of the things that are of the Holy Spirit and the things that are of the natural spirit. Now, you go, well, the natural spirit, what's that? Well, who is the God of this world that blinds the minds of those that believe not? We have been raised up in his standard. We've been raised up in his culture. We've been raised up in his thinking. And that's why we're going to get to Romans talking about changing our thinking and starting to see things from a supernatural standpoint rather than the natural. Uh, another strong scripture is in Mark, found in Mark chapter 8, verse 33, where Peter tried to stop Jesus, saying, Jesus, you, you can't let these things happen to you. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you savor the things of man, not the things of God. Wow, that's a harsh scripture. That was spoken to me one time by a brother. I said something, and he said, get behind me, Satan. I think I was offering him chocolate or something. I, I, I took it real personally. Uh, have any of you ever been called the devil before? Yeah. One time my wife and I picked up a hitchhiker years ago, and we tried to preach the gospel to him, and he said, Get, let me out of this truck. Well, we had our pickup, and let me out of this. And then he stood, and he pointed at my shoes, and he says, the devil walks in those shoes. I looked down at him and I said, no, no, I think they're mine. <laughs> I've been called by good Christians that I was, the, that I was Satan incarnate. They were hurt, offended Christians. And when we are hurt, offended Christians, we cannot discern the things of the Spirit properly. It hinders the power of the Holy Spirit's operation in your life 
to be able to uh, see clearly the spiritual realm. And people that are hurt often hurt others. It's just the nature of it. Let's turn over to the book of James. Chapter 3, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have a bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Now, this bounces back to those young disciples. Shall we call down fire from heaven and consume them? Who is wise and understanding among you? Show your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Can we as Christians become demonically influenced? Doesn't mean you have a demon. It means that you have moved from your rightful place of being an heir of salvation, your rightful place of being an ambassador of Christ, Jesus, your rightful place of having authority in the Spirit, you have abdicated that for that time and switched over into the natural realm, and the devil's got a hold of you and influenced you and caused your thinking to go haywire. Uh, for those of us that are married, sometimes we get in arguments that, uh, that just don't seem to be able to get solved easily. I have found that I can either continue to go down the path of the natural and try to win that argument, or I can move into the supernatural and say, what have I yielded myself to here? Is this full of kindness and good fruits and wisdom from above? I'm not always successful in that. But I am a work in progress. Romans 12, chapter 2 tells us to renew our minds. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, verse 1, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Wait a minute, isn't spiritual worship 33 minutes on Sunday morning? 
It's a great start. I love singing to the Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that by you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I have quite a few scriptures to basically make one point, so stick with me. You with me? I just want you to know it might seem a little slow in here today. I'm heavily medicated on Tylenol. Uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, you see, when there's a gathering, when God begins to gather, I've seen this throughout my life in Christ, different outpourings of the Holy Spirit, and there's a, 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 a gathering. There's also a gathering of false spirits that come along with that. And, and we have to be walking in discernment. We have to be walking in, in a place of knowing because some of them are very obvious, some of them are very subtle. And, and we have to be walking in a place where we can hear from the Holy Spirit and hear from those of our, around us that are trusted and gifted to, to be able to help us sometimes see things we're not seeing. In uh, verse 1, chapter 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God. You have conquered them, for the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Do not believe every spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about different giftings. One of them is the discerning of spirits. There's a lot to read about that if you ever want to study it out. Some address it as it was to determine uh, false prophets. I believe it goes beyond that. I believe it discerns all spiritual things. Uh, I believe those with the gift of the discerning of spirit, and what I would like to do at some point in time is there are those in our, in, in our body here, in our family here, that have the gift of discerning of spirits, and I'd like to take some time down the road here in a week or two or three uh, to uh, have you take a few minutes and explain to the body how that operates in you. The reason for that is uh, because when we are faced with something we're not sure about, we can go to those who have the gift and say, what do you think about this? 
What do you think about that? See, it's the, it's the body of Christ and the gifts that individuals have that build up and keep the body healthy and moving in the right direction. Should I read that scripture, 1 Corinthians? Or? Okay, might as well read it. Otherwise, somebody's going to sit there and say, I'm going to talk to somebody with the gift of discernment and see if that guy's quoting Scripture right. You should always bring your Bibles with you so, you, so that you can make sure that I'm quoting the Scriptures right. In chapter 12, we're going to skip down to verse 10, although the, the chapter addresses spiritual gifts. I want to look at this one in specific. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. I'm going to tell you about an experience I had with speaking in tongues once, and then we'll come back to this. Uh, when we had our commune that we lived in, our discipleship training center, um, there was an egg ranch out here in the valley at the time called Totem, Totem Eggs. And the piece of equipment broke down, and so they had 10,000 eggs they didn't know what to do with. Well, pretty much everybody in the valley knew this. When you have a whole bunch of something you don't know what to do with, you call the hippies. <laughs> yeah, give it to the hippies. They'll eat anything. <laughs> So they called us up and said, we have 10,000 eggs. Well, we had a big cube van because we had started a bakery called the Bread of Life Bakery, and we were uh, selling bread and, and uh, taking donuts to a hungry world. Um, anyway, we had all these eggs. You can only eat so many eggs, you get tired of eggs. How many have chickens at home? Do you ever get overrun with eggs and say, I don't know what else to do with these? Uh, anyway... So we had all these eggs. We decided we were going to go into Mountain View in Anchorage and pass them out from apartment to apartment. And uh, this friend of mine, a uh, friend of ours, Bob Blaze, who's a prophet, uh, he's written the book, uh, what was the name of his book? Angels Among Us? Or, and, huh? No, I think it's Angels Among Us. Something. Yeah, and he's just written his second book. And, and uh, Anyway, we go to this door, and we knock on it, and we say, we have all these eggs. We're trying to give them away. Do you have any use for eggs? Everybody could use eggs, right? Have any use for eggs? We'd love to give you these as a gift. And this lady didn't know English at all. And uh, she, no, 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 no. And she closes the door, and we start to walk away. And Bob goes, wait a minute. He goes back, he knocks on the door. The lady opens it. And he just starts speaking in tongues. I mean, he just starts speaking in tongues with the eggs. And I'm thinking, well, that's just the prayer language that I, I hear all the time, right? And the lady goes, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. I'll try that next time I need something. But the discerning of spirits, uh, that was the, the gift of tongues, by the way, uh, and boldness, tongues and boldness. 
and uh, lack of uh, maturity. Sometimes lack of maturity is not a bad thing because you're apt to try things and God will back you up. But the discerning of spirits, just, you may not want to raise your hands, but I'd love to see it. Who here has the gift of discerning of spirits? Would you be willing to raise your hands? Yeah. A lot of times those with the gift of discerning of spirits have had a lot of spiritual involvement in their past um, because uh, I won't get into why, but they've had a lot of spiritual activity in their past. Okay, Acts chapter 16, we're going to end with this scripture. This is a, a trick Pastor Vic taught me, my last scripture. <laughs> you know, one, one of the benefits of being pastor is you get to be picked on. Acts chapter 16, and uh, we're going to start with verse 6. This is a very interesting uh, portion. I love the book of Acts because the book of Acts shows us these are human beings that God uses human beings. Sometimes when we think of uh, the Apostle Paul, oh, the Apostle Paul, you know, hey, he had issues. He had a personality problem. He had some dysfunction. He was a human being that surrendered himself to the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Chapter 16, verse 6, they went through the region of Phrygia, that's close to Alaska, <laughs> and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Now, think of this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I got to tell you, when I'm hindered to share the gospel, when I'm hindered to open my mouth about Jesus, I immediately blame the devil. It takes some spiritual discernment to figure that one out. Hindered by the Holy Spirit? Why would the Holy Spirit ever hinder you or, or cause you to not preach the gospel in a situation? We go back a little ways to where we read because there's a backstory. There's a background that God's working in. There's a background that God is in, the background. We were talking last week, uh, Pastor Vic and I, about the devil in the details. I said, no, it's God that's in the details. The devil wants to take credit for everything. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come opposite of Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they're getting resistance on every hand. Now, when you get resistance, what do you, what's your natural tendency? Blame the devil. There's warfare. I'm going to press in all the harder. I'm going to make my life and your life and everybody's life with me miserable. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him, saying, come over. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, 
we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia. Now listen to this. Being convinced, being convinced that God had called us. Now what that tells me, that being convinced part tells me they talked about it amongst themselves. Hey, I had this dream. What do you think? He had trusted people. Somebody there had a spirit of, of uh, discernment, you know? And they were like, yeah, yeah, this, this, this God. And immediately they found their way in. And then I think probably with great expectation after resistance, 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 and then boom, breakthrough, and they end up on the beach on a Sabbath day after the Sabbath and only a couple of women there. The natural mind says, where's the huge crowd? Where's the big event? What's happening? And it's just a couple of women. Lydia is one of them. She's a dealer in purple cloth. Okay, I guess that's kind of a big deal back in those days. You know, nowadays we just run over to uh, Joanne's. But it wasn't a huge thing. It was just a couple of women, and they began to sit down and share and talk about the gospel, talk about Jesus. And uh, out of that, now listen, this seems like a very small event, but it was the first time ever the gospel moved into the European continent and then on to America. So it was a huge, huge event with a lot of background stuff going on that you could not see what was happening. So I want you to go away this morning with this in mind. There is a lot going on in the background that you're not aware of. And that being not aware of it can cause you to question, cause you to be uncertain, cause you to have conflict, but if you ask for spiritual discernment and you look for wisdom and you, you connect with your family, you connect with the body of Christ and those that have spiritual wisdom and spiritual discernment, they can help you with those things, and you get your eyes opened to what's taking place in the supernatural. Because it says the supernatural, what's taking on and what's happening in the spiritual realm is more real than what you see in the physical realm. There are things happening all the time that we do not see and that we're not aware of. It's the Holy Spirit that gets you to tap into that. It's the Holy Spirit that led Paul to say, whoa, okay, resistance, 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 had a dream. What do you guys think? And then the Holy Spirit opened up a door. They went in, and the gospel was preached from then on throughout all the world. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.